tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an advice episode. So this is a short version of an episode that we just put up on Patreon. Um, The Patreon version is like seven questions. You're going to hear three of those questions, but also the versions of our answers to these questions on Patreon are longer than they are here because it's a teaser, but it's great either way. So even if you only listen here, you're going to enjoy it. If you do want to hear the whole thing, patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless, you can join for as little as like $32 if you join at the $3 level for a full year up front because you save 10% when you do that. What else? Oh, also, I'm still doing a portrait fundraiser for uh, my dog, Rufio, because he's just going to the vet all the fucking time as we try to figure out what's making him feel so terrible. And vet visits are not cheap. So if you want a picture of you and or your pet and or your friends or your friends' pets, I have had a couple people commission pictures of their friends' dogs as gifts, which I highly encourage. Also, I love drawing dogs. Check that out. That's hashtag ruthless.com slash shop, or you can get a portrait when you join our Patreon. So you could hear the full advice episode and get a portrait all at once. That said, let's listen to me and Jesse tell you how to live your best life. Hello, patrons, and welcome to an advice episode. If you've been following along with our figuring out what the heck we're doing journey, you'll know that we are now going to be doing these twice a year, and we'll be soliciting questions from you folks when we do so. And yeah, it's going to be a good time. Uh, Jesse, do you want to just jump into it, read our first question? Yeah, so our first question. I've been thinking a lot lately about receiving the love and pity of bigots. I'm wondering how you handle it when someone tells you that they love you and then misgenders and detonates you. I'm wondering why transphobes used to pity use pity to excuse their bigotry. I'm curious how it is possible to thrive in a situation where no one honors pronouns or personhood. I don't think it's possible to thrive in a situation like that. I think it's possible to survive, but thriving can it can't happen in a space where your true self is not being seen or validated to be quite blunt. I, how do you handle it when someone tells you they love you and then misgenders and dead names you? I am a, um, Olympic athlete in telling people that love is an action. Um, being like, excuse me, have you read the works of bell hooks? Uh, <laughs> love is- Love is a verb. And big advice for that, honestly, like one of the big game changers for me was when someone does something like misgender or dead name you and 
you like point it out or they catch themselves or whatever and they're like I'm sorry to say thank you instead of it's okay like eliminate it's okay from your vocabulary when it comes to anything having to do with that and watch them break like a piece of fine china <laughs> with like a you know stampede of angry cats on on the counter you know like they will like you will watch them melt as they just like continue apologizing and you continue saying thank you they're just like need you to absolve them so badly and like it's a real it's a real behavior corrector to never tell them that it's okay because it's not it's not okay so small ways finding small ways to make it very clear that like you're not tolerating the things that they're doing i think can help change those behaviors you know if it feels too confrontational to be like if you're gonna misgender and dead name me then no you don't love me but a lot of times you just need to get rid of those people to to be honest yeah i feel like this is difficult because i feel like anyone claiming that they love you and then they are okay honestly this a little bit reminds me of like, I feel like I've spent a lot of many, many, many hours in therapy sort of unpacking a lot of like childhood trauma shit. And I think that it is really hard for folks to like have to admit to themselves that even if, at least for me, like being told that like people love you, but then it's like, okay, but the things that you did were a abuse <laughs> like that's those like th- that's not that's not love that is things i'm gonna be in therapy for for the rest of my life and i feel like when folks are like oh i love you but i don't like i'm gonna misgender and debt name you it's like that's that's literally not what love is <laughs> right that is the opposite of love i mean emotional abuse at the very least and having to process that and honestly, no matter what your age is, is going to be really hard. And I'm sorry. Because, like, that's this is not actions of if you actually truly, like, love someone for, like, their whole selves. Like, being a whole person. It's right. like, oh, the love is conditional. Uh, okay, cool. So I'm when I'm of age or when I am not needing to talk to you, I will not talk to you ever again. Which is... Why so many queer and trans people don't talk to their families or whatever. Um, Letter writer, you didn't say explicitly who you're referring to. I'm making some assumptions that it's people you're related to. But this really could be any kind of relationship in your life. And that is just, you're being, you're being lied to <laughs> is what's happening. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And I don't know that it's always malicious. Like, I think that there's a lot of people who don't, okay, to be like make a really inappropriate comparison like i don't think that most people should be allowed to have dogs because i think 90 percent <laughs> of people abuse their dogs and think that they're training their dogs and oh, like I, I agree dog trainers tell them that these are good things to do people will be like it's totally harmless to do this thing and it's like it is literally not and those people genuinely think not only that they love their dog, but that they are doing the right thing, right? That they are treating them in a way that's like good for that 
that dog's future, right? And if you're not doing that thing, it's you're the one who's abusing that dog and how dare right. you do that, do those things. Yeah, or like you're a you're a bad dog parent for like, you know, letting your dog continue to be reactive. And it's like, no, no literally 70% of dogs are reactive. They just all used to get put down and now they don't anymore. So like, anyway. So like, I do think it's possible for people to be like, in their souls, they genuinely believe that they can both love you and not respect you. That doesn't mean that you have to tolerate that behavior. Like you can s- try to get them to understand that those two things aren't compatible, but they might not understand it. And you can still be like, I I can't thrive in this environment and I, I got to go. You got to take care of you and find situations in which you can thrive. Yeah. And if you're in a place where you have to just survive it until you're in a better place, like, it's like not your fault. Like, it's not anything on you that doesn't make you unlovable. It means that the people around you are bad at being loving, kind, kind people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They don't deserve your love and pity. So... Exactly. And if you can find places where you can thrive for even like periods of time, right, whether that's in person or on the internet or whatever, um, where you can be your authentic self, fill up that cup as much as you can whenever you can and protect it as much as you can the rest of the time. Yeah. Okay. So listeners, this next question is about people being shitty about the fact that we're still in a pandemic if you don't wear a mask everywhere that you go and don't want to be made to feel like a terrible person about that skip forward probably like eight to ten minutes because the next eight to ten minutes are not going to make you feel good about yourself (laughs) all right I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about how you're both navigating the pandemic post most people giving a fuck I understand if you don't have the capacity, I've had some really painful experiences advocating for precautions in my community, and my capacity is less than zero. I'm particularly interested in how you're managing conversation with loved ones who have dropped mitigations. Are you advocating and educating? Just asking for people to take precautions to see you slash meet in COVID safer ways, letting go of relationships with people who aren't mitigating, some combo of the above. It's really rough to feel both left behind by my friends and worried about their health and safety. This current surge slash winter has been particularly hard. I think you should start because I think you're a much more reasonable person about this than I am. All right. I have been doing a variety of strategies. Letter writer. I'm someone who masks every time I leave my house and I haven't been going to restaurants because that's just, um, and the, and the times when I have gone to say a concert or to a movie, it's like that those are sort of personal, like cost benefit analysis of like, if I get COVID, will I be, well, how upset will I be that I got it at the Beyonce concert, you know? But to clarify, you're wearing an N95 yes. at the Beyonce and, and to clarify, yes, I was wearing an N95 the entire time. And I think for, as for, where it comes to like other people, it's been honestly kind of uneven where I have friends who are as COVID conscious, if not more, than I am. And so it is a like, okay, great. There, there doesn't have to be a conversation about going out to eat because we're not, we're not doing that or I'm like, being outside, like wearing masks, 
But for the people that I have in my life who aren't doing as much of that as I would prefer, I am powering through a lot of awkwardness to be like, well, I'm wearing my mask um, and I have this air purifier, you know, and being like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm y'all can go out to this thing, but I will not be doing that. Like, oh, come over to my house where I have my air purifier <laughs> kind of deal. And it is really hard because part of me wants to be like, just wear your fucking mask. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and there's only so much I can be like, lead by example, which is never taking my N95 mask off in public. Because <laughs> I'm kind of like, we know that masks are a big part of mitigating COVID and like air purifiers. And like, and so I think for me, it really just sort of comes down to I'm being super cautious and the peer pressure to not do these things, I'm not going to give into because if I get really sick, are you going to help me with this? Of this, like, of getting another lifelong chronic illness on top of my other chronic lifelong issues? And it's like, okay, well, then I can't let you dictate what I am doing. Yeah. I think that for me, COVID has been a real confrontation with myself around the ways that like autistic black and white thinking can like fuck up your life because in a lot of ways I think that my black and white thinking about things is fine because I'm right (laughs) like I am correct with my like political opinions and my thoughts on like what makes a person a good or a bad person and like how they treat other people and whatever, which is basically like do the kind thing. And if you don't choose being kind, like why would I have time for you? I haven't, I don't have a workaround. I've cut ties, not like explicitly, but with almost everyone. Like, like I said earlier, I'm friends with like you and Nicole and Theo and like all three of you are being extremely COVID cautious and if you weren't I like don't know how that would affect our relationships because like I don't know how to be friends with people who don't care about other people and so I just end up not doing anything and it's not like I don't know people who would be willing to have COVID safe hangouts it's that I don't know how to respect them for the choices they make when we're not together. And like, that sucks. Like, I can't overstate how fucking lonely I am. But like, every time I try to be like, just do a thing with a person, I'm just like, but why do I, why did I have to ask? Like, why? I don't know. I don't know how to do this with you. And so like the mental toll that it takes to try and be like this is fine like I'm fine with you even though like I mean Evan has Crohn's disease and like long COVID is an autoimmune disorder and like I have EDS and mast cell activation disorder like both of those put me at risk of getting long COVID and I'm like I simply cannot have another chronic condition like at all But I think even if that wasn't the case, I would still be the same because to me, it's like so obvious that there is like a right way and a wrong way to be living right now. And like most people are choosing the wrong way. And I 
it's like trying to hang out with a Republican. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to be friends with you when you're doing this thing that I look at and I'm like, this is just objectively bad. So my advice is cut everyone off. Don't do what I do. I, Which is why I'm like, Jesse, you tell people what to do. I don't fucking know. I think I'm doing it wrong and I don't know how to do otherwise. I've been trying to figure it out for four years unsuccessfully. I mean, I think... Honestly, though, I think part of it is, is that I think that, like so many things, neurotypicals are doing it wrong. Because part of me is like, how is anyone giving it to peer pressure where it comes to like either your health or the possibility of your life? But you're like, well, no one else is doing it. So I feel weird. And I'm like, and I feel like that feeling that we're both having is very much like, (laughs) because we're not neurotypical. I mean, obviously, yes, like the U.S. government has failed us in every way that it possibly could. But it's still frustrating when it's just like, but people who I know have access to like the correct, right information about all of this. And even if it's like, you could just like Swiss, you could Swiss cheese strategy yourself at least a little bit. And I feel there's like people who like aren't doing any of that. And I'm like, but why? Right. So, I mean, I see so many people much less. <laughs> I just want this, to stress this to everyone where it's like, all right, once every three months, I feel okay putting on my air purifier if it's not the thing we can just be outside and not be in any and not be in an enclosed area. I mean, I wear my mask to the farmer's market, which is an open air market for the most part. But I'm like, I don't, there are too many people breathing on me and close. Uh-uh, no. Yeah. Yep. No, thanks. Whenever, yeah, anywhere that, honestly the only places i'm ever inside is like the grocery store or rufio's like endless vet visits but like at the vet like we had them put in his chart that like anyone who comes in the room has to be wearing a mask but then like half of them are still wearing like paper masks so like these are i mean they're not doctor doctors but they are doctors they know how like communicable diseases work so i'm like why a why did i have to ask you to put on a mask and b like you should know that these masks aren't helpful. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know, using like a piece of cloth as a condom. Like, what what are you doing? That's not going to prevent anything. It's yeah. just really hard. I don't know. Going to doctor's office and I'm like, no one's wearing a mask. It's like everyone decided that not wearing gloves is a thing. And I'm like, what? Like, you were, all, you were wearing a mask before. And now you're just like, fuck it. So um, to answer this question... We have no advice. (laughs) Everyone is trash but you. Yeah, we are navigating this as best we can, and it is deeply painful (laughs) and detrimental to our mental health. All right. We've talked for, like, way more than 10 minutes on this one. So any closing thoughts? You're not alone, I think, is the big thing. Be that person with the portable air filter and just having to be like, fuck y'all, you know? It's, It's awkward and it sucks, but... Is it more awkward and shitty than getting COVID? It is not. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. I tried to like every other one with like more and less intensity. So the next one's funner. Uh, How do you make time and space for your creative self? I know allowing myself to play and imagine can help me not burn out, but I struggle to keep the promises I make to myself here. Okay. I have to be real honest. This is something that I struggle with. Uh, especially in the age of having a smartphone in which it is real easy to just spend two hours looking at TikTok, Instagram, Reddit, whatever other thing on my phone that is a distraction. I 
literally just brought some software to help to like block that shit on both my computer and my phone so I can spend less time looking at the internet and more time like knitting or something or one of my other hobbies that brings me more joy and satisfaction than having spent an hour on like Instagram or something. And but I know this for myself as someone I mean, again, ADHD, like that hot dopamine fix of like social media is real good. It's 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 really the good stuff. But I'm like, I know that I need to be putting other things into my brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Similarly, I have my phone set so that any social media app times out after 15 minutes. So like you can override it, but then 15 minutes later, it's like, did you mean to still be on TikTok? Uh, yeah, having you can set your your at least iPhones, you can tell them apps that you like want it to not let you access. <laughs> I feel like this is a place where like having ADHD is really useful for me because I like can't just watch TV. I also have to be doing something with my hands. So like my entire tarot deck, I made while either listening to podcasts or watching Doctor Who or Star Trek. Like I was not just sitting there drawing. I was doing something else at the same time. And I think the thing for me with this question specifically is like I struggle to keep the promises I make here is like you're making it into work by doing that when it's like the goal of it is for it to be play. So I think it should be more about how do I weed out the things that like prevent me from doing the things that I want to be doing as opposed to how do I force myself to do these other things. Mm -hmm. One thing that I have found useful for me is to sort of, I feel like I don't know how to explain this. Okay. So I like cooking a lot. I have a shit ton of cookbooks, but a lot of times I'm just like, what the fuck am I making for dinner for this week? Mm-hmm. So I created a list on my phone of like recipes that I want to make and of like ingredients that I often have. And then I put, I put it in like in my, my, I have like a list app on my phone. And then I put in the like little things like, oh, like roasted squash and feta and, you know, quinoa salad, whatever. And then I put in there the page number of the cookbook recipe and so I have like a whole list of these things in my phone. So I'm just like, oh, what do I want to make for dinner? It's like, oh, I could do this roast squash thing, throw in some tofu, throw in some farro. That's what I have. And like, it helps me to like, not just feel so stuck when I'm like, I have all these cookbooks. I have all these like things that I want to do and explore and like make. But sometimes I just like don't have the energy to be like, oh, it'd be cool to try a new recipe at some point. But I know that my brain's going to be like, it's in a book that's closed on a shelf. You've never, that recipe doesn't even exist in your brain. <laughs> yeah. And like having that for me is like, makes it easier for me to like cook more interesting stuff. And I think that also work for me is like an expanded idea of like, what is creative time? Like how am I spending creative time? Not just like I'm sitting down and I'm like drawing a thing. Cause I want to like learn how to draw. It's like, there are so many things that, are creative and things that I'm interested in. And it's like, how do I just, how do I uh, inject more of that into my day to day? Yeah. And I, okay. So we do need to move on, but I do want to say, I think looking at this and seeing like allowing myself to play and imagine 
there's this like really persistent, I think, myth. Like, I feel like I've heard it on Invisibilia. I've seen it like all over the place where it's like you can only be creative if you like have time where you're just alone in your brain. And I feel like that is made up by people who don't have depression. Like there is nothing worse for me than being alone in my brain. And I feel like the fact that I like, I create a ton of art. Like I made a tarot deck. I draw a sticker every month. I'm like constantly making a thing. I do none of that. Like silently working on a piece of art. I always have other shit going into my brain. And that's, fine. Like, do not let anyone else dictate the terms by which you play and imagine. It's nonsense to to think that you have to just, like, be, be like, in a quiet room in order to be creative. What nonsense is that? That sounds terrible. I, like, can't do, and like, I feel like my best creative thinking is when I'm, like, doing something with my body. Yeah. You know, I'm like walking around my neighborhood and I'm just like, oh, this story that I've been writing. I'm like, oh, breakthrough. And it's just like, yeah, and I can't do that. I'm just like sitting at a desk and being like quietly. It's like, oh, no, I need to be doing other things in order to like fill up my brain, like wander and be like, oh, hmm, what if this thing? I mean, our collective hero of this podcast, Chuck Tingle, has said that he gets his ideas while going on his morning walk, listening to his podcasts. He's not just silently on a walk. He's listening to someone else talk about a thing and also percolating his own ideas. So, you know, if he can do it, so can you. But we do have to move on now. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We will be back in two weeks with an official Escape from Reality episode. Check the show notes for everything. And until next time, scatamoosh.